When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Abzaga, and this is Daily Thrones. A quick look at the world of ice and fire, and I have in my hands the Blu-ray of Season 7, the complete seventh season of Game of Thrones. Winter is here. Very nice cover with the Night King on it, much like all the show's promotion, which is what they do. And it comes with a lot of extra features on it. There's a lot of things, deleted scenes, more history and lore, uh, some featurettes, you know, all the normal stuff, and I'm going to take it all in, just as I'm sure you guys will, but I'm very excited for the supplemental material the second disc that comes with it and we haven't really talked about it much here on daily thrones i think i've mentioned it but it is game of thrones conquest and rebellion an animated history of the seven kingdoms and we got uh Sansa Stark herself, Sophie Turner, Jamie Lannister himself, Nicolaj Costa-Waldo. Uh, we got Pilou Asbach, uh, Euron Greyjoy, Aiden Gillen, Conleth Hill, and Harry Lloyd Viserys coming back. And they are all narrating this animated telling of Aegon Targaryen's attempts to conquer the Seven Kingdoms, written by showwriter Dave Hill. Reading directly off the back here, true to the fire and blood words of House Targaryen. Rivers, fields, and skies turn red as Aegon sets out on his brave and bloody conquest to defeat the seven reigning families that made up the realm. An impossible feat were not for Aegon's possession of the most feared and ferocious weapons in all of Westeros, dragons. That's quite a great uh, summary, great one-sheet for a interesting a little movie there, but this is, uh, I think, about 45 minutes long or so, if I remember some, some of the previous advertisements uh and uh, i'm excited to take this in yeah that is we're looking at 45 minutes for that um and uh you know a lot of t- a lot of people think this could be the prequel series but uh, clearly when word came of this that that to me means they're not they're not going to do Aegon's conquest uh in the prequel series it would make a, a good standalone live action movie too as well if we ever get live action game of thrones movies but uh, I don't think that's going to happen, at least not yet. We'll see. These series are so excited for this. If you guys get it here, I believe it's available uh, in stores now, online, however you decide to purchase things. Maybe it's on your Christmas wish list. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll read about it. We'll watch about it. We'll wa- read about it, watch about it. <laughs> we'll read it, watch it. We'll take it all in, and we'll talk about it here on Daily Thrones. I want to hear your thoughts. Once you guys watch Conquest and Rebellion, um, we will... Uh, Take it in. And in the meantime, let's get back to talking some of our favorite scenes and moments on Game of Thrones. And we'll start that now. Hey, Ken. So another scene I wanted to talk about from season 40, Iron Bank scenes. I mean, it wasn't in the books. And I like this scene. So, you know, Davos convinces Stannis to, we have to go to the Iron Bank. You know, because that's the way to get gold so we can hire sellswords, you know, for our cause. And at first, the Iron Bank says no. And they actually look down upon Sir Davos saying, you know, here in Bravos, you know, smugglers are not rewarded with lordships. But then, right when all seems lost, Davos stands up and he says, who's the real power in King's Landing? And the, the, they say it's Tyron Lannister. He says, once Tyron dies, who do you back? A, a young boy, the product of incest, a woman, Cersei Lannister, who people despise her. He says, he says there's only one reliable leader left in Westeros, 
Stannis, he has the birthright, he's in a prime, he's a tried and tested battle commander, and he doesn't just talk about paying people back, he does it. And it was in this scene that Davos really showed how good he was with his words and why it was a good choice of Hand of the King. Eric's talking about one of my favorite scenes from season four. This would have been uh, on my list if I would gotten to it first. You beat me to it, Eric. Good job. That's what I want here at Daily Thrones. Your guys' calls should beat me to the good moments. And the scene you're talking about with Stannis Baratheon and Davos Seaworth asking for money from the Iron Bank. And we got Tycho Nestoris, played so excellently by Mark Gaddis. Glad to see him come back in season seven. Uh, he... Uh, this scene has so much. This scene has so much going on, it, it, but it does focus on Davos and what he can do and, and this ability he has to to speak, even though he thinks he's kind of this unlearned man. He's not as educated. He can't read. He's a commoner. He's the Onion Knight. He enjoys a good bowl of brown, or at least tries to. And these type of moments, and, he, and it happens again with Leanna Mormont uh, with the uh, trying to convince her to to pledge men to the cause uh, to fight the uh, coming army from the White Walkers. Davos uh, just, he, he might be one of the best speakers in the land and this moment is, is a big shiny moment for him. But I also love what it does with the inner workings of the, the Iron Bank. The free cities and, and Bravos and, and, and the, what they got going on there fascinates me because we, we are Westeros-centric. And I think Westeros in the world is Westeros-centric. They don't really pay attention, it seems, to what goes on over in Essos. For instance, uh, even all the way back in Season 1 when we're talking about uh, young Daenerys Targaryen marrying a horse lord. Some, then people say, ah, she has dragons, little baby dragons. No one in Westeros really cares. Joffrey cared. Not that I like to give Joffrey a lot of credit. Robert Baratheon cared, and he wanted to go about taking care of that problem in perhaps a bad way. But even Tywin Lannister, uh, who I think is a good leader with a lot of foresight and the ability to take care of problems, didn't didn't see that as a concern, at least not yet. I think Tywin realized it might be something they have to deal with. Tyrion thought that as well, but as Varys told him at the end of season two, you know, one problem at a time. Um, one game at a time, I guess you could say. So um, I love that to win Westeros, Davos has the idea and knowledge to go seek the help of the East. Stannis doesn't really agree. It was a humbling moment for Stannis. Uh, probably hard for him to sit there with all his pride on who he is and who he should be. Uh, watching this uh, banker just tell him, eh, go ahead. Head on back to your land. We're not going to back you. But uh, I love that oh, the Iron Bank has a lot of power. And we tend to forget about it. But in Season 7, a lot of what was going on in Season 7, a lot of the actual politics revolved around Cersei getting uh, the support of the Iron Bank still after Tywin had, of course, passed. So uh, that is fascinating f for me to watch as well. And just the, the, the scene itself is... Is, is what Game of Thrones does so well, right? This is a tense scene. This is an important scene. This is a scene we could wax poetic about, and it's just a bunch of guys sitting in a room talking. That's what Game of Thrones always does so, so well. Just dialogue, but the subtext, the history, the importance, the undertones, it's all there. Great scene. Great call, Eric. 
Thanks for the reminder. Now I need to go pay pay my debts to the Iron Bank. If we're talking about favorite scenes and moments from season four of Game of Thrones, I have to bring up Joffrey's death. Now, it's it's not that I wanted Joffrey to die, or I guess I should say I wasn't rooting for Joffrey to die. Uh, I think he deserved some punishment, possibly some death. All right, he definitely deserved death, but I found it tough to just actively root for Joffrey's death because I have a slight bit of sympathy for him. I guess that's the Game of Thrones thing, right? You're supposed to hate characters, but you find reasons to find sympathy, or at least the show and story keeps presenting them to you. I think Joffrey couldn't help who his parents were, couldn't help how he was raised, couldn't help that his the man he thought was his actual father was very uh, rough, gruff, distant, and didn't raise him properly, and then his mother raised him to be kind of a, a tool in her quest for power as well, though I believe Cersei wanted him to be king. She definitely wanted to have him uh, at her side and be whispering in his ear. Uh, she was very possessive of not just Joffrey, because he was her son and she's passionate about her children, but Cersei was possessive of that uh, crown and that chair that uh, everyone wants so much. So Joffrey's death was a long time coming, and by this time I had knew what was coming along, and I had read the books and, and, and was interested to see how they would pull it off, and that's what I want to talk about. It's not so much... Uh, Joffrey's death, it's just how they pulled it off. I I really love that the show did it early in season four. This is episode two. Boom. We're there. And I like when creators, writers, directors, producers do things that serve the story and not necessarily uh, cater to fans. You don't want to offend your fans. You don't want to lose your fans. But they could have easily strung along Joffrey and Marjorie's wedding a couple more episodes, got more of it, made it a, a big moment later on in the season. But the sh- season starts pretty much with that. Boom. Joffrey's dead. And that causes a lot of problems. Uh, obviously, the season is more about Tyrion and, and Oberyn, a lot of other things in King's Landing. And Joffrey's death was uh, the insti- inst- inciting incident in the in the instigation for a lot of that. But... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they put it right out there early on, and it just, it's it rode the line of almost too much. Like, Joffrey really, really, really turned it on. Jack Leeson did an amazing do- job. Uh, as that episode wore on, you, you your fist was clenched, and you really wanted something to happen. You wanted it to happen, and then it happened so subtly. Uh, you know, I, again, I was familiar with the story by this point, but but some people who weren't book readers and still, uh, you know, aren't are still they still struggle. They go back to that moment like when did that? So he, he was poisoned. When was the poison? Sansa had the poison. Take it through. They shot it really well. If unless you're looking for it, you don't see Elena grabbing the poison off of Sansa's necklace. Slight change from the book. Of course, it was something something she wore on her head. But I loved all of it. I loved the chaos. Um, I loved Lena Headey in that moment. Cersei Lannister. This is what she fears, the death of her children. This is what, not just because it's her children. Again, she's passionate for her children, but because this is what the prophecy warned. And if it's beginning here now, that's a problem for Cersei. Great scene. It was highly anticipated, and it worked. It paid off. Loved it a lot. 
What do you guys think about Joffrey's death? What are some of your, your favorite moments from season four or any season? Let me know here. Call in Daily Thrones on Anchor.